We're in Revelation chapter 1, verse 11. And uh, let me go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, just want to thank you for this day, Lord God. And Father, just pray that your Holy Spirit will be the one that leads us, guides us, and teaches us into these words of truth. And Lord God, help, give us the wisdom to understand it. And Father, just want to thank you for the words, Lord God. And Lord, I just ask you to go with us through the rest of this service. I'm praying this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So verse 11, so John is writing here and just Jesus saying, verse 11, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write, write in a book. So we had talked about this. Uh, we had talked about this last week. That what uh, John had been told by Jesus Christ was he's going to see this stuff, and he's on the Isle of Patmos. He's going to see this stuff, and what he sees, he wants him to write, write in a book. And that book is what you have in your lap. So uh, we got to understand this was wasn't just that John was being told to write this stuff. John seen this stuff. John was transported into the future and was shown with his own eyes all the stuff he's going to write down. And so with that in mind, that's why we had to wonder what he would, how he would describe some of the marvel. Uh, it says, how marvelous would modern day machines appear to John? So when John's seeing this stuff, uh, maybe uh, jets and, and cars and uh, tanks and battleships, stuff like that, how's he going to describe that with, what, with the limited knowledge he has of, of, what, of what he's seen? So... That, that kind of gives you an idea of what we're going to look into. But he did say, What thou seest, write in a book. <clears throat> and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia. Now that's Asia Minor. Unto Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamos, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. So those are the seven churches we're going to, we're going to look at as we go through the uh, next couple of chapters of the book of Revelation. And these are the seven churches, and they're all, the Isle of Patmos was right down over in here, this area, and here's the seven churches, and it's all in Asia Minor. And uh, they're all kind of together in Asia Minor, and he was off in the island, Patmos, right in there. Uh, this look at verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. So he sees seven golden candlesticks. And those seven golden candlesticks, they're going to be, we're going to get an interpretation of that later on in the chapter, the end of chapter, in verse 20, verse 13. So what I'm trying to say to you is this, is sometimes you're reading through the Bible and you're going to see something like this where it says seven golden candlesticks. In your mind, you're like, what does that mean? Well, if you, you'll keep reading a lot of times, not every time. But a lot of times, the Bible will interpret itself. The Word of God will interpret itself and will tell you what that means, what, what, what that represents. Verse 13, And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, now that's Jesus Christ, of course, clothed, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool. White like wool. Now, when you, the English uh, judges... That's where they got this idea from this scripture here, from Daniel chapter 7. When the English judges, they always had those white, woolly, uh, they put the white, woolly wigs on when they were judging. That's where they got it from because God is, is shown as a throne, sitting on a throne as a judge. He has white, woolly hair. And that, that's where you get that white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as a sound of many waters. Now, Dr. Ruttman's drawn this up here, kind of give you an interpretation of how he's representing it, how he sees it. And uh, nobody can draw this stuff. 
nobody can paint this stuff, but he does a pretty good job of kind of giving you an idea what it, what it might have looked like. Uh, verse 16, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and he has drawn up here seven stars here in his right hand. And I always point this out, but it's always the right hand. It's never the left hand. It's always going to be the right hand, guys, every time. When you're dealing with God and you're dealing with the truth of God, it's always the right hand. He has uh, seven stars in his right hand, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Well, those stars are going to be defined in verse 20. Jesus Christ is going to tell him what those stars mean in verse 20, and he's going to tell him what the candlestick means in verse 20. But before we get ahead of ourselves, he says, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Well, what is that sharp two-edged sword? We know out of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that's the Word of God. That represents the Word of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay, so that's the Word of God. So that's Jesus Christ. The Word of God's coming out. Sharp two-edged sword. And His countenance, his countenance was as the sun shineth in His strength. That's pretty an amazing statement. That means that uh, you go outside... And you try to look up at the sun, you can't do it very long, amen? I mean, you can, you can look up, and you just, there's no way you can keep looking at it. So that's how bright this was. Jesus Christ is represented in scriptures as the sun. Not only the S-O-N, the son of God, or the son of man, but he's also as the S-U-N, as the sun. The sun is a great type of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The sun in type is like the Trinity, uh, you can see the sun, that's God, Jesus Christ. You can feel the sun, the sun moving, the heat of the sun, that's like God, the Holy Spirit. And the photogenesis that's going on with the plants, that's God the Father, He's unseen. So there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Son is a trinity, just like God is a trinity. Look at Psalms chapter 19. Psalm 19. We're going to look at this, uh, the, the sun. <clears throat> Psalm 19. Here's a prophecy of, of the Messiah. It's a pretty good one. Psalms 19, verses 4 through 6. Psalm 19, verses 4 through 6. But we're going to start out at verse 1. Psalms 19, verse 1. And this will uh, give you an idea of a prophecy when it comes to the sun. Notice this one. Psalms 19, chapter 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament show His handiwork. Showeth His handiwork. Amen. So when you go outside and you look at, you look at creation, you look at nature, it screams out that there's a God. Amen, Amen okay? Uh, it screams out, the stars scream out to, that there's a God. That's how I came to God, was looking up at the stars. All God's handiwork is... I don't see how a man can be an evolutionist who gets close to nature. It's just an oxymoron to me because you see that there's an incredible design to nature. Uh, when you look at that, even something simple like, let's just say like a leaf. You see a leaf and it looks real simple from far away, but when you get it closer and closer, you start seeing a design to it. And then you get it closer and closer and you see an incredible pattern and design in that. And then you can get it under a microscope. It gets even more intricate. There's a designer in the universe, and he designed, and it all works together. And it all needs each other, amen. And that's one of the things that, that destroys evolution is the symbiotic nature of nature itself, meaning that there's things in nature that need each other. They feed off each other. There's things that God's put in this earth that your body needs to stay alive. Uh, and there's, those, there's, there's little microbes and 
organisms, they need you to stay alive. The simplest way to, to look at this is just like with the honeybee. The flowers need to be pollinated, and they need the bee to pollinate the flowers, but the, the bee needs the flowers. So, in other words, they're symbiotic. They need each other. So you've got to have... You can't have a million year process of evolution where something's evolving and evolving. and It, do, it don't have time to do that. <laughs> That's what destroys evolution. There's no, there's no millions of years for that to happen. It must happen like this. It must have been created and designed in, in, in no longer than a couple of days. That's exactly what your Bible said happened. <laughs> God did it in seven literal days. How do you know it's literal days? How do you know those days don't represent thousand-year periods, million-year periods? Because the Bible defines itself by saying the morning and the evening were the first day. The evening and the morning were the second day. The evening and the morning were the third day. The evening and the morning, that's a 24-hour period. So my point to you is, is nature screams out that there's a God. Now you've got to find out who that God is and what He expects out of you. That's your job, Amen. He's God. You know He's there. Now you've got to find Him. The heavens declare that, verse 1. But day 2, day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. In the daytime you see God. At nighttime with the stars and the beautiful moon and everything, you see God. That's why man has worshipped the moon. That's why man has worshipped the stars. Man puts all the signs in the stars and they'll take, and to me it's stupid. But they'll take four or five different stars and they'll say, that looks like a bear. And they'll take seven or eight different little stars and they'll say, that looks like a man with a bow. And when people show me that stuff, I don't see a man with a bow. I see six stars up there. But they say, no, if you draw it out like that, no, I still don't see it. You know? that's, amen. It's constellations and they try to worship this stuff. Listen, that's, that's a beautiful design of God. That, that, that's that's God, and that's how I came personally to God, was one night looking up at the stars and seeing them. It's like, man, there has to be a God. It's just so vast, and I'm so little. It, it really humbles you down. That speaks to you. Verse 2, day in a day uttereth speech. Uttereth speech. So that stuff speaks to you. Verse 3, there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Listen, you don't have to know English, you don't have to know Mandarin, you don't have to know Spanish to understand this stuff. This is a universal language, the language of nature. Amen. Amen. Okay, so you don't have to know English to understand that that leaf is intricately designed or what, to see what the bee's doing. In other words, this is not a certain, you don't have to know Hebrew to know all this stuff. This is a universal language. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. God's designed it that way. But look at verse 4. Their line has gone out through all the earth. It's like somebody sending out a line, like a phone line. There's a speech, like somebody sending out a line. Their line has gone, gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them, look, in them hath he, God, set a tabernacle for the sun. Tabernacle for the sun. If, God, if Jesus Christ is the type of the sun, he was tabernacled into flesh when he came down into Mary. He was tabernacled into flesh. He's set a tabernacle for the sun, S-U-N, look, verse 5, which is as a bridegroom. Uh-oh, are we not the bride of Christ? Yes, and Jesus Christ is a bridegroom, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. 
That's Jesus Christ. So when the sun's coming up, that's a type of the bridegroom coming up. That's a type of Jesus Christ coming back. When you see the sun coming up, you see those sun rays shining through those clouds. That, and I, y'all know, you know what I'm about to say. When you see those sun rays shining out of those clouds, what's the thing that comes to your mind, Christian? It comes to your mind. That's what it's going to look like when Jesus Christ comes back. That, that comes to your heart. The Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and says, that's your Lord coming back. That, that's a sign of the Lord coming back. That's what it speaks to you, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, that's Jesus Christ, and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. There's nothing hid from Jesus Christ. So those verses kind of speak to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as a bridegroom. He says, the sun coming up. Look at Malachi chapter 4. Malachi is the last book right before the book of Matthew. Find the book of Matthew. Turn left a little bit. You'll find Malachi, last book of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter 4. And we'll, we'll be going back to Malachi as we get further into the book of Revelations. But uh, look at Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4. Verse 1. We're looking at Jesus Christ as the Son. Jesus Christ and the Son being, the Son, S-U-N, being a type of Jesus Christ. For behold, verse 1, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. That's the second advent, guys. That's a battle Armageddon. That's the, that's a book... That's a book of Revelation, the tribulation period, the oven, the burning them up. That's a nuclear warfare. That's what's happening there in verse 1. Look at verse 2, though. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son, S-U-N, see that? Capital S-U-N, the Son of Righteousness, arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. That's your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As the sun rising up. Jesus Christ is called the day spring. The bright and morning star. What's the morning star? What's the morning star? Well, the morning star is the sun. What's the day spring? That's the sun coming up. When does the day spring forth? Well, it doesn't spring forth until the sun goes up over those mountains, amen? And then you see the sun coming. That's the day spring. Jesus Christ is described as the day spring. He's described as the bright and morning star. He's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the sun. The sun is a great type of Jesus Christ. And there he's described as the sun, S-U-N, of righteousness, arising with healing, healing in his wings. That's a, great, that's a great verse right there. All right, back in Revelations. Back in Revelation chapter 1. So Jesus Christ, is a, the, the Son is a great type of Jesus Christ in so many different ways. The Son shines as the light of the world. Amen. Amen. What did Jesus Christ say? I am the light of the world. Amen. And as long as He's in the world, what is it about? What he says? As long as he's in the world, the light's in the world. And as soon as he leaves the world, the light leaves. The darkness leaves. We're living in dark times. The sun might be up, but we're living in dark times. It's because Jesus Christ is not here. The sun dies at night and turns blood red. You ever notice that? 
The sun goes down and the sun starts dying at night and turns blood red. That's a type of the crucifixion. Amen. The sun hits that, the sun hits that horizon and all the, we know what the scientists say, all the dirt in the air, all the dust in the air, and it makes it look beet red, makes it turn blood red, and it starts turning red and red. And that's a, that's a crucifixion, and that's the barrel of the sun, the S-U-N, and the barrel of the S-O-N. That's God speaking to you. But then what happens? There's night time, and then what happens? The sun is buried below the horizon, and then the sun, uh, the sun comes up, rising up, and resurrects in the morning. Just like our Lord and Savior comes up and resurrected in the morning. That's all a sign of the resurrection. Every morning is a resurrection, guys. Every morning speaks to everybody in the world. There is a resurrection. And God's put that in the, God's put that in the universe. So every day, remember what we just read in Psalms? Every day it speaks to everybody. It don't matter what language you have. You see the sun go down, it's a type of Jesus Christ being crucified, being buried. The next day the sun comes up, that's a type of the resurrection. That's God. God's put all that there for us. I don't know how much better to explain it. The Son is a type of Jesus Christ. All right, so back in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. I love that stuff. I love that because I love nature. I love God's nature. And what I think is so amazing is, to me, nature is so beautiful. The, the hills, the, the animals, and the way God has everything designed out, I think it's beautiful. But it's all fallen. <laughs> and it's all been flooded out and destroyed. And we're seeing it after it's been destroyed by a flood. Think about how beautiful it's going to be when God gets it straightened back out again like the Garden of Eden. And the Millennial Kingdom, when it all becomes like the Garden of Eden again. Can you imagine? Man, it's going to be beautiful. I mean, it's going, it's going to be amazing. So it's amazing just how beautiful it is as it stands. Verse 17, Revelation 1, 17. When I saw him... Saw Jesus, this is John sees Jesus Christ. I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Notice, what does Jesus put on uh, John? Puts on his left hand or his right hand? Right hand. I'm telling you, it's always the right hand. And, I, and he laid his right hand upon me. It's, always, it's never the left, guys. The left is for Satanists. The left is the cursed. The left is for the goats. If you're a Satanist, you go by the left-handed path. That's the left. But we're Christians. We're followers of Jesus Christ. We're on the right-handed path. We're sheep. The right-handed path. Amen. All right, verse 18. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. That's the first begotten of the dead. The first begotten of the dead that we talked about way back in verse 5. That's where that's defined. The first begotten of the dead is that he's alive forevermore. He's, never, he's not like Lazarus or some of these other people that resurrected from the dead and they go right back down in the ground and into the dead. He's alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Jesus Christ has the keys of hell and of death. And here's another transparency I'm going to throw up there for y'all. And uh, It's a good picture. I got this out of a, out of a Bible thing I have at home. But it shows the seven lampstands. It has a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth. It's got the two keys. There are keys to hell and death. Hell has keys. Matthew chapter 16. If you want to follow along with me, I'll read you some of this. Matthew 16. Let me show you some of this. 
Hell has gates, and these gates have keys. And Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, He has the keys. Matthew 16, verse 18. And I say unto you, Peter, or excuse me, I say unto thee, Peter, I say also unto thee, excuse me, I, I'm reading, I'm kind of saying it, not quoting, not saying, reading it. I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. Amen. The gates of hell. So hell has gates. And hell has gates, but our Lord and Savior has the key. He has a key to those gates. In other words, he can, let, he can put in who he wants to put in, and he can, he can keep out who he wants to keep out. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. And that's why he's claiming that. I have the keys. Amen. And have the keys of hell, hell and death. This is talked about a little bit in Jonah. If you want to go back to Jonah. I'll just show you a couple of verses about this in Jonah. The book of Jonah. Jonah talks about this when he, was, when he went down. Jonah chapter 2. Jonah and Job talked a little bit about this. I know I've read some verses before about this not too long ago, but it's good to remind ourselves. See, Jonah chapter 2, verse 2. And Jonah's talking, he said, as he's, he's in the fish's belly. And he said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Jonah's body was in that fish, but his soul went down into hell. He died in that fish. Jonah died in that fish, but his body was in that fish, but his soul went down into hell. See, out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. So look at verse 6. And I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. He brought his life up from corruption. He died. But he said, I, I floated down into the mountains at the bottom of the seas where there was bars. Those are the gates of hell. The, there's different gates to hell. There's not just one gate. There's different gates to hell. And uh, we, I assume that some, most of those are down in the ocean area, down in the seas. Uh, if, you had to, if I had to guess, and I, I know I've said this before, but I would put one of them at the, at the Bermuda Triangle. I would put one of them at the Devil's Triangle on the opposite side of the earth near Japan. Uh, there's different places. Wherever Jonah, I, there'd probably be one right there in the Mediterranean Sea. That's where Jonah was at, right in that area. Went down into the bottom, down into the gates. Look at Job. Uh, yeah, look at Job. Let me see what. Job chapter 17. I lost my reference there. Job 17. And we'll, we'll close out here. Job 17, 16. And then we'll close out here. This will be our last reference. Job 17, 16. Job says, They shall go down, talking about uh, miserable people, they shall go down to the bars of the pit when our rest together is in the dust. They shall go down to the bars of the pit when our rest together is in the dust morning they should go down to the bars of the pit so it's showing that the pit has bars it has gates so hell has gates it says they'll go down when i rest together's in the dust so when your body's in the dust you'll go down into to the bars of the pit it's just showing you there that hell has gates and it, back in revelation chapter one 
He says in verse 18, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and death. Hell and death. So it's showing you right there that Jesus Christ has those keys. And he has those keys to the gates of hell. All right, anybody have any questions? Yes, sir. No, that, yeah, I, yeah, the Big Dipper is pretty easy to pick out. The Little Dipper. Yeah, some of that stuff. That's all I mean, I could, and they say, don't look at the lion and the, and I never took the Little Dipper and the Big Dipper, I can see. Yeah. I just went well, on the end of the Big Dipper, or the animal comes down, is a North Star. Yes, sir, that's a North Star. That's directly that, towards heaven. That star don't move much. No, it don't move at all. That's a... That's directly towards heaven, the North Star. So anybody else? Anybody else have any questions in closing? Nobody? When you're a kid, you always thought Jonah fit the got spit out. Yes. Now you got spit out by spit out of the well? Yeah. Yeah, he God resurrected him, spit him out of that well's mouth. Just like he was, he was, he's in that well, he died, and then he got spit out of that well, fish's mouth. Some people don't believe that he died while he was in the well. I, I teach he died because of those verses right there I just showed you. But it's because he's talking about he's corrupted, he's gone down into hell, and it's, it talks about that stuff there. So It's nothing to split, uh, split a church over, but, <laughs> but it's, it's just, it, that's just what I teach, and some people don't, some people don't teach it that way, but. But he was resurrected. So Jonah is a type of Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ is just like Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the well. So shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. So Jesus Christ was dead and in the ground. So, Je- so Jonah was dead in the well. And then he was spit out. Just like Jesus Christ was spit out of the earth. I enjoy your teaching. Amen. Man. Praise you the Lord. You don't take away the meal and do anything. Drink the Amen, brother. That's the Lord. That's the Lord. All right, well, let's go, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for loving us, taking care of us, Lord God. Give us wisdom out of your book, Father, and help us to understand this stuff, Lord God. And if I, if I teach, taught something, Lord God, that wasn't of you, Father, I ask you just that it fell on deaf ears. I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.